Dear God, we thank you so much that we have your word given to us in the Bible. Thank you that it does want to speak to us. And so I pray now that you would have our hearts open, our minds open, to hear what you want us to to know and to change us to live more for you. Pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, when do you feel most rested? I remember back in 2015, uh, me and my wife Mel uh, went on a five-week holiday to Europe. Uh, we'd both been waiting for this holiday all year. We were both teachers, uh, so we were exhausted from a long year of teaching. And on the Saturday, after the term had finished, we collapsed on the plane and flew to London. We were exhausted from a long year and were excited for some rest and refreshment. 24 hours later, we were in London, and from there we uh, travelled to France, and I remember just walking up and down the streets eating baguettes and croissants and macarons. From there we flew and visited some friends in Valencia in Spain, where we had paella and churros with them, and enjoyed celebrating Christmas with them. But the all-time favourite for me was then, from there we flew to Switzerland, where uh, this photo was taken, and it was the first time I actually ever saw snow, And we were able to look out at these beautiful, amazing mountains. The trip kind of went on like this for five weeks, soaking out these amazing experiences, meeting great people and enjoying lots of good food. Uh, And when we flew back into Sydney after five weeks, we were excited from all these experiences we'd had and we were refreshed. But that feeling of refreshment and rest was was really short-lived. As I remember when we walked back into our house, we realised actually... We needed to do the washing of our clothes. I looked out at the lawn and I needed to go and mow the lawn. Uh, I I looked in the pantry and we're like, oh, we need to go do some groceries. Actually, and then we realised a day or two down the track, actually, we're going to go back to school. So actually, we need to start getting our head in mind for work. And actually, the, the rest seemed a long way away. And even after that first day back at work, we were both longing for another holiday. We're already tired and longing for some more rest, another break. And isn't this all our experience? The weekends and the holidays, they go too quick. Maybe even in some of those downtimes, you feel like you're just jumping from one thing to the next and you don't get a chance to stop. You don't get a chance to rest. Maybe even over the Easter break, some of you might have taken the three days and got the, you know, your bang for your buck and you got the ten days off. But it wasn't enough, was it? A couple of days back into work, you were longing for rest again. We all long for rest. And I think this longing for rest that we feel shows us the futility of physical rest. You see, we sleep, but we'll always be tired again, don't we? We'll go on holidays, but we'll always want more. These experiences of a lack of rest point us to the fact that our search is not about physical rest at all. What we need is a deep spiritual rest, a rest for our souls. No amount of holidays will cure your restlessness unless you get that kind of rest. So the question for us this morning to think about is, where do we find this deep spiritual rest? And the answer is found in these very first chapters of the Bible where we see God's creation and who he is and who he's made us to be. 
And so this morning we're going to see four points which tell us where we can find this deep spiritual rest. We're going to see that God is a God who rests. We're going to see that this rest in God is spoiled because of our sin. We're going to see that in the Old Testament there's two signs which point us to rest in him. But then we're also going to see, fourthly, that Jesus is about restoring rest. So firstly, let's look at God. God is a God who rests. Let's read again from uh, Genesis 2, those three verses. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. Last week in chapter 1, we saw the creation account, didn't we, of the world, where God created the heavens and the earth. And then he set about filling the earth with all these living things, with the climax being God creating man and woman in his image to rule the world under him. Creation shone with the glory and beauty of God. But isn't it interesting, even in that first verse we read today, that that creation doesn't finish, the creation account doesn't finish on the sixth day. As we see there, creation, everything was completed. But then there's this seventh day. And what do we see happening on this seventh day? What's what's going on there? Well, we see there in verse 2, don't we? By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing So on the seventh day, he rested. God finished his creative work, so he rests. God, the all-powerful creator, the one who created the heavens and the earth, stops and rests. Like, what does that that mean? Well, it's important to say God is not resting because he's tired. He doesn't need a breather from his work. We know that because the effortless nature that took him to create the world. He just spoke and it happened. He wasn't worn out from his creative work. And we know that the Bible talks in other places that uh, God is working, sustaining his creation. So for God to rest, it's not the absence of work. Instead, the word rest here carries with it the sense of pleasure, sense of peace, celebration and enjoyment of his creation. So for God to rest on the seventh day means God steps back and delights in his creation. He takes time to purposely enjoy it. God's goal in creating is seen on this seventh day. He wants to enjoy his creation. He wants to rest. Think of Michelangelo who took four and a half years to paint the beautiful frescoes on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. After painting them, he would have sat down and looked up at his creation and just enjoyed what he'd done. And actually, it was the first time after sitting back and painting them that he would have seen it all pieced together. So he just would have sat back and gone, wow. And likewise, at my house, I have a wooden fruit bowl. And this this bowl gives me a lot of joy and pleasure when I look at it. And that's because I made it. I chose those pieces of wood. I cut them down. I put them on the lathe. I turned this bowl. Then I sanded it for hours and hours. And then eventually I put a soft finish on it. And so each morning when I get a piece of fruit out of that bowl, I feel the pleasure and enjoyment knowing 
I made this. And that's what God is doing on the seventh day. He's ceased creating and started relating to his creation. God started relating with man and woman. People were relating to creation. It's a beautiful picture of enjoyment and rest. People and God living together in God's good creation. Rest in God's good creation was about enjoyment. It was about enjoying a life with him. And that's, that's what rest in the Bible looks like. It's centered around God. But the second thing we see this morning is that this rest with God is spoiled because of our sin. We only have to turn to chapter 3 to know that this beautiful world God made becomes a mess. The rest and enjoyment found in God is spoiled because of our sin. It's spoiled because we, humanity, didn't want to have a life centred around God. We wanted to find our joy and satisfaction in ourselves. And actually, if we read 3 verse 17, we read this. It says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. This verse tells us that a part of the curse God hands down because of people's sin is that work is ruined. It becomes hard, wearisome, tiring. So, so it's no wonder that when we work and we feel exhausted, that, that, that should be a sign to us that this beautiful rest of God in his good creation is spoiled because of our sin. We're out of sync with how we were made to live. Our relationship with God is severed. And the rest with God for which we were made is spoiled because of our sin. I remember when I first got married and moved out to this little apartment with Mel. Uh, it was a cute little tiny apartment, but it had a, a nice-sized living room, had a newly renovated kitchen, uh, had a cool outdoor area. But shortly after living there, uh, I, I became really sick. I'd never had sinus issues before, but I couldn't go a week without getting clogged up and really, really sick. Then we realised as we looked through our house that they were, it, was, it was covered in mould spores everywhere. And so we went through our apartment, looking through our things, having to chuck out clothes, having to chuck out shoes. And actually, I remember one day I pulled out this suit, which I was going to wear for my mate's wedding in a few weeks, and it was covered in mould. Don't worry, I didn't chuck it out, got it dry clean, but mould was everywhere in our house. Needless to say, we, we got out of that apartment quick smart. The apartment was spoiled because of mould. And just as my apartment was spoiled because of mould, God says rest with him is spoiled because of our sin. Therefore, as we go about our work and lives in this broken world, without God in the picture, there can never be this deep spiritual rest. But the beautiful thing with the Bible, the beautiful story of the Bible is that God wouldn't let this situation have the final word. God's creative purpose for rest still stands and he would not rest until that situation was overturned. And so that's our third point this morning. We see, even in the Old Testament, God has these signs which keep pointing back to rest in him. And the first sign is the Sabbath day. Let's have a read at one of the first instances where this comes up. It's in Exodus 20. 
It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. This command here given by God is given after God's people have been rescued out of slavery in Egypt. And so here they are standing at this mountain and God is speaking to them, giving these commands to them, giving them instructions of how they're to live as his people. And what's God telling his people to do here? Where he's saying each week the Israelites were called to stop working one day out of seven. And did you see the reason why? It's not just for them to have a breather. It's not just for them to put down tools. The reason there is in verse 11. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. This day was for them to look back to God and his rest in creation. It was a day for the Israelites to look back and remember God. It's a day to remind the people that they were created for a relationship with him. And so once a week, they're told to stop and remember that. The Sabbath day was a sign to the people to remind them of who they were. Remember their identity as God's children. Remember the rest found in him. Remember they were made for a relationship with God. The second sign God gives in the Old Testament that was meant to point the people to rest in him, was the promised land. Have a look at Joshua 1 verse 13. It says here, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. The land spoken of here had been promised to the Israelites ever since they'd been taken out of Egypt, ever since they'd been rescued from Egypt. And other passages in the Bible speak of this land as as flowing with milk and honey. It's a picture of abundance and goodness given by God. And there's plenty of other references like this one here, which speak of the land of being a place of rest. And what's, what's this getting at, that the land is a place of rest? Well, the people still worked. They still harvested. They still fought battles in the land. The rest in the land was not the absence of work. But rest was about being with God as his people in his land. It's a picture of right relationship and enjoyment of God. The rest in the land was meant to point the people to who they were. They were God's people, made by him, cherished by him, loved by him. And they were dwelling with him. Have a look at this picture pretty famous picture I'm sure a lot of you would have seen before. It's a picture of John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office of the White House, one of the most powerful men in the world at that time. But the shocking thing of this picture is that there's a little boy under that table. It's his son. Here's a picture of intimacy and protection and safety, isn't it? No one else could go under that table except his son. The boy doesn't have a care in the world because he's dwelling with his dad. And that's what it's like for God's people having rest in the promised land. 
They were dwelling with their heavenly Father, dwelling with God, the all-powerful creator and ruler of the world. They were with him in his land, protected by him, enjoying an intimate relationship with him, the relationship which they were made for. They were enjoying rest with God. These two signs, the Sabbath day and the land, were pointing to the same truth for the Israelites. God made them and he loves them. And he made them to find their rest and enjoyment in him alone. But you see, these, these two signs in the Old Testament were just signs. They were pointing forward to the deep spiritual rest that God would one day bring. You see, the people didn't remain in the land. They got kicked out. The people uh, changed what they thought about the Sabbath day, started adding more and more rules around it, and it became less about God. And so that brings us to our fourth point this morning. How is God going to bring about this deep spiritual rest? It was in Jesus who was about restoring rest. We read these beautiful words in Matthew, Jesus' words, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What is Jesus offering here? He's offering the deep spiritual rest we're looking for. He offers rest from a troubled conscience, offers rest from work that burdens us down, offers rest from the guilt that hangs heavy on us of things that we've done in the past. He offers rest from trying to seek approval from others. Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, in this verse, is helping us see once and for all the rest which we truly need has very little to do with holidays and physical rest. But it's about being at rest with God. It's about coming back into relationship with him, realising the rest for which we were made. Rest with God. Jesus says, I have come to bring you back into relationship with God. I have come so you can enjoy rest with him again. Jesus is the place where we meet God. He is the one who cleanses our conscience. He is the one who takes our burdens and sins away. God says, you are made for a relationship with me. Come home and find deep spiritual rest. You see, God drew near to us in Jesus to bring us back into relationship with God. There's a, a great misunderstanding in the world today about Jesus and Christianity. And that's the idea that you have to get yourself together before you can come to Jesus. That you have to be a good person and do good things. But that is false. Jesus says, I'm about relationship and restoring rest. Jesus says, it doesn't matter what you've done, come to me. And we can, we can pretend, can't we, that we're not weary, that we, we don't carry any guilt or burden around with us. We can pretend that there's nothing on our conscience, but it still does remain. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're tired and you're weary and you know all too well how you've tried to find rest in lots of other places, but it just simply doesn't work. Jesus says to you today, come to me and I will give you rest. 
If that's, if that's something you're interested in this morning, we'd love to tell you more about how you can have rest with Jesus. Write it on your comment card. Come and talk to Dave or myself or talk to the person who you came with this morning. One writer says that your soul will be restless until you find rest in Jesus. So come find rest in him today. But maybe for the the rest of us here, we know Jesus. We know that this rest that he's talking about. But maybe like me, some days you still do feel burdened and weary. Well, my question for you this morning is, where are you going for your rest? This week I read an article by the New York Times which argued that there has never been a society that's so restless. And they argued that this lack of rest was due to our work. It spoke about two reasons that they think this is the case. It says, firstly, there's a technological reason. It says people's work is now more accessible and we are more accessible to our work. So therefore technology has made work more dominating in our lives. Secondly, and this one I think is really interesting, is that they they said there's a cultural reason. They say in traditional societies, people got their identity and value from being part of a family or a community. In other words, you got your identity and value from being a son or a daughter or a neighbour or a citizen. But today our society is so individualistic. And what that means is society has freed people from these assigned roles, so that we can be who we want to be. So rather than our identity being in being a son or a mother, our identity is now something we earn, we have to achieve. And so this this has completely changed how we think about work. Work is now how people get their value and worth, by how much money you make and, and the social class your work propels you into. And as a result, people are restless. So let me ask you again, where are you going for your rest? Where do you get your value and identity from? Think about what's the the second question which you're most commonly asked. What do you do? It's so easy to have our identity wrapped up in our work, isn't it? But if work is where we're going for meaning and rest then we're forever going to be restless because our work is frustrated and futile. Tim Keller, another pastor, says, if our identity is in our work rather than Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. Are you resting in Jesus alone? So Jesus invites you today to come to him and give him everything. Give him all your burdens, your worries, your anxieties, your fears, the ways that you do fall short. He wants you to come to him for rest. Going anywhere else will just lead to exhaustion. Jesus says, come and find rest in me. Jesus' rest can never be taken from you. Jesus says, stop trying to find meaning and worth anywhere else. Jesus says, I have come to give you rest from any of those pursuits. Stop trying to do it on your own. Come to Jesus. I heard someone say once when asked in a conversation, what is it that you do? And this person responded, 
I'm a follower of Jesus full-time and I'm an architect part-time. What a great answer. I love it. This person understood that his work didn't define him. Nothing else did except his rest and relationship in Jesus. So do you find your rest in Jesus? I mean, truly, we might all say, yes, yes, Paul, we do. We say, I come to church each week. I serve at church. I go to community group. I read my Bible. Sure, these are good things and keep doing them. But do you find your rest in Jesus? Knowing that it's not about you. That it's not about anything you do, but it's all about him. When you do that, you truly will have deep spiritual rest. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God who shows us who we are and what we were created for. We were created for rest with you, for a relationship with you, enjoying you and your creation. Thank you that in Jesus he has restored our longing for rest. Thank you that in Jesus we can truly have deep spiritual rest, knowing that it's not our works or anything else that define us, but it is being at rest with you. May we not just rest in Jesus on Sundays, but may it be a daily joy and delight to rest in him. Amen.